0: Stop fighting the devil and start fighting the fight that you can win. The good fight of faith. Welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. Wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor of Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. And again, I want to personally invite you to join us on Sunday mornings. At 10 a.m., Rodney and I would love to meet you there. Amen? Well, let's jump in as we hit life's issues with heaven's perspective. And today I want to talk about winning. (laughs) I want to talk about winning. If you will, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I've been a Christian for a few decades. I wish I could say that I've always won, but I haven't because I didn't always understand um, what faith was, how faith works, and really the simplicity of it. And I find many times I've run into so many Christians over the years and they're always struggling and they're always battling and they're, there's always drama going on in their life. There's always something chaotic. They're surrounded by people that have chaos in their life all the time. Family members always, you know, upside down and, and just it's nonstop. And I'm like, this is not the life that the Lord had in mind for us when he said that I, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, till it's overflowing, that you might enjoy it, that you might have and enjoy an abundant life. That's, that's not the life that he had in mind. And so many times believers chalk it up as an enemy's attack. When many times it's not an enemy's attack, it's just your stupid choices and, or your unwillingness to separate yourself from, how do I want to say this? Corrupting and contaminating influences <laughs> is how Second Timothy chapter 2 um, puts it. That if you want to be used by God and be a, a vessel of honor and noble use in the kingdom of God, you have to actually separate yourself yourself, not just from sin, but also from corrupting and contaminating issues. And you have to not allow the constant chaos and drama that many people have in their lives in your life. You've got to be willing to put your foot down and recognize that you were born again in Christ to win in every circumstance and every situation in life, no matter what comes your way. But you also don't, are not required to take up every battle. And that's oftentimes what I see with believers. They take up battles for other people, family members, and stuff that you can't win. You cannot win other people's good fight of faith. The only fight of faith you can win is yours. Now, your fight of faith and you winning in the good fight of faith can help other people, can be a beacon, if you will, to show people how, no matter what they come up against, that they can win in if if you, if you know how to do that. But you can't win it for somebody else. If people want to be in drama, if they like their life to be in chaos, if they like to always stir the pot and cause problems and make you feel like you're nothing or this or that, why in the world, I don't care who they are. You've got to make up your mind. You know, one of the most important scriptures I've found for myself over probably the last 20 years is in the book of Proverbs in chapter 4, What it says, Above all else, guard your heart. And so many people are willy-nilly about their heart. Well, that's my brother, that's my sister, that's my son, that's my daughter, whatever. Yeah, but if they treat you like a piece of garbage, you can't allow people to walk all over the top of you. I don't care who they are. I kind of care what kind of blood relation they are. Well, if you're going to allow people to bring drama and chaos into your life, walk all over you and cause you to feel like a piece of crap, you don't need those kind of people in your life. I'm not saying you can't love them, but you best learn to love them from a distance and don't allow them, you know, to bring chaos and drama into your life. That's a decision you have to make. And no amount of prayer And no amount of Bible reading is going to change that for you. You actually have to make decisions and we have to choose to do that. We've got to be willing to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. All right. But too many Christians spend time trying to fight the devil. Let just, let me give you a revelation. You as an individual, as a person, as a human being cannot win against the devil. (laughs) The only way that you can win is when you're seated in Christ you know, when, when it's called seated in Christ, that means you're at rest, right? You rest in the victory that Jesus already accomplished because he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he did that. Amen. And so people that learn how to rest aren't always in a battle and aren't always in chaos. It doesn't mean you don't come up against things because if you're moving and shaking and doing things for the Lord, you're going to come up against things. But those things are not the drama and the chaos of the world, not the drama and the chaos of people that want to invite you into every issue that they have because they won't take hold of their life properly. Amen. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I think it's really important for us to understand. You you have to stop fighting the devil. We're never, 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 never. You read the 66 books of the Bible and you show me anywhere in the scripture that tells us to fight the devil. No, it says the son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus did that. That is not our fight. We are called according to first Timothy chapter six and verse 12 to fight the good fight of faith. That's what we're called to do. Not fight the devil. You can't win that. You can't win it. Some Christians have tried that and they actually ended up losing their life. I mean, I know they made it to heaven, but they tried to do something that they weren't capable of doing. You can't win that. So the only fight we're supposed to be fighting is fight the good fight of faith. In Ephesians chapter six, I'm I'm I want to help you here today, and folks, let me tell you, <laughs> there have been times and circumstances in my life I feel like I, it was a difficult thing, but man, I sailed through that. I sailed through it with my faith fully intact, no scars, no wounds, nothing. And there have been times where I have battled far too long because I didn't take a hold of the pra- the the practical spiritual solutions that are in the word of God. You and I are destined to win. We're actually already winners, right? You've heard this statement before. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Jesus already won. As a born again child of God, we are in the body of Christ and the head can't win and the body lose. (laughs) Amen. If the head wins, the body wins. Amen. We have already won. And Really, that is what it means to fight the good fight of faith that we, as we live our lives upon this earth and everywhere we go, everything we do, anything we come up against, whatever we attempt in the Lord, following the direction and the instruction of God, that we take the victory that Jesus won on a cross and in the resurrection and we enforce that victory in everything we encounter in this life. That's fighting the good fight of faith. But there are practical solutions to that. And here's the other thing that I found with Christians. You know, they, they get all, um, they get so Holy Holy Spirit minded, which this doesn't even sound right because I'm extremely Holy Spirit minded <laughs> and I'm led and directed by the spirit of God in, in, um, conjunction with the word of God, because the spirit of God will never lead you contrary. Um, To the Word of God, and and I take the Word. I mean, I got an abundance of prophetic words that the Spirit of God has spoken to me, dreams and visions that He's given me, and I use those right, And, and I wage the good warfare. The good warfare is the good fight of faith, and Paul instructs Timothy. Um, that that you take those prophetic words, those prophetic intimations, says the Amplified Classic, and wage the good warfare, holding faith and keeping a good conscience, right? So I use what God has said. I use what the Spirit of God is saying. And so, you know, but too many people, they get flaky, spiritually flaky. And they feel, you know, we're, we're spiritual warfare and we're going after that devil. You don't need to go after the devil. Spiritual warfare is holding faith and keeping a good conscience, because the only battle you're supposed to be fighting is a fight of faith. You're not battling the devil. It is a spiritual war. But the devil is already defeated. I understand that in a practical sense, he is still very, very much control of this earth. We We know that. But in a spiritual sense... We have already won because Jesus already won. And our job on this earth to be as Jesus is. And he never, the enemy never got one over on Jesus. Even when he thought he did, when he, when Jesus uh, allowed himself to go to that cross and die, even when he thought he won, <laughs> nope, nope. Jesus had a checkmate move, right? The power of the resurrection, And so even when the enemy thinks he has you backed in the corner and you lose, you have a checkmate move. And the key to that is fighting a good fight of faith. So here's that reality is that the whole point, the only spiritual warfare you're doing is not to battle the enemy. Your warfare is, is purpose is to keep you in faith because we live by faith, right? We're saved by faith. By God's grace through faith. You can't even be saved without faith. The just, the righteous live by faith. Amen. We fight by faith. You can't even win or you can't even fight the battle without faith. With faith, you please God. With faith, you and patience, you inherit all of the promises of God, which includes the full, complete a reality of our salvation when either we die and go to heaven or Jesus uh, comes and raptures the church out and we meet him in the air. Amen. Either way you look at it. And so you are a winner as a born again child of God, but you're going to change your mindset. And then there are practical things you actually have to understand and that you have to put in place and no, you're not fighting the devil. Let me say this again. You can't win that battle. And it's not even a battle to be won. That was Jesus's battle. He took care of him. The only battle that you're fighting is that which is the good fight of faith. Because what you have to do is hold on to your faith and keep a good conscience, right? Don't get a bad attitude about it. Start blaming God for for what the enemy has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 10 through 18 in the New Living Translation. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Other translations, in the power of his might. Okay, so where are we strong? In the Lord. Whose mighty power is it? His. (laughs) Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. See, this is, this is our job to resisting. Our job is to resist then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. When all has been done, stand. That is the goal. Still standing in faith. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the piece that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So it says the fight, you know, it says we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. But again, again, We are not hand-to-hand combat, if you will, with the enemy. Jesus already did that, right? We are fighting the good fight of faith. In verse 16 in the English Standard Version of Ephesians 6 says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield of faith with which you can extinguish all All the flaming darts, the flaming arrows of the evil one. Say all, say it out loud. That is a three little word, word, a tiny word, but it's powerful. The shield of faith will extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. All of them, not just some of them, not just most of them, but all of them. All of them. Having done all the crisis demands, it says, In verse 13 in the Amplified Classic, to stand, to stand, to stand. We are able in the Lord with His mighty power to stand firm in the midst of every battle, every difficulty, every trial, every tribulation. Every trouble that comes our way, we are able to stand and be the last one standing. That is really what it takes to beat the enemy at his game, is to be the last one standing. But you can't do that. That's not, you can't do that in yourself. You have to follow what the Word of God says. You have to follow what the Word of God says. Your job is to have the armor fully in place and use it appropriately, right? Use it appropriately and fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight of faith because you'll win. If you stay in faith, you will be the last person standing. In Romans chapter 12 and verse three, in the King James version, it says, as God hath dealt to every man, the measure of faith see God has given every one of us believers a measure of faith, the measure it actually in the King James, I like that the measure of faith. Some people think uh people have started out with a greater measure of faith than they have that's not true. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, and if people have a greater faith than you. It's because they've increased their faith, but it's not because God gave them more to begin with. That's not how God works. He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith increases as we continually hear the word of God, whether we're listening to anointed preaching and teaching by men and women of God that unfold the Word, or whether we're speaking the Word ourselves out of our own mouth or reading the Bible out loud to ourselves, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So God deals to every man the measure, the measure of faith. And that faith increases according to how much word we're hearing, amen. And then, not only is there come an increase of faith, but then you can actually build yourself up on that faith. How do you build yourself up on it? Because it's one thing to hear the word and know that it's there, but then to be able to build yourself up where you can stand strong on that word. In Jude, verse 20, there's only one chapter, so it's verse 20. Of the book of Jude it says in building yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the holy ghost by praying in the holy spirit amen so we increase the measure of faith we've been given by God all believers have been dealt a measure the, no, I keep saying a but it's the the measure of faith right the same measure of faith and then it's up to us to increase that by hearing word of god and then to build ourselves up on that faith by praying in the holy ghost and so the holy spirit and being baptized and filled with the holy spirit is so important for a believer because that's how we can build ourselves up on the faith that is coming to us as we hear the word of god continually and then it, cuz it says also in first Corinthians in chapter 12 and verse oh, no I'm sorry chapter 14 first Corinthians chapter 14 let me let me yeah and verse 4 first Corinthians 14, 4, it says he who speaks in an unknown tongue Edifies and improves himself. Why? Because we build ourselves up on our faith that has come by hearing the word, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, as we pray in unknown tongues. We're building ourselves up, and according to First Corinthians chapter fourteen and verse four, that when we're speaking and praying in unknown tongue, we are edifying and improving ourselves. Why? Because we're building ourselves up on. Our most holy faith. Amen. And so we have the faith which comes by the word. And then we take the spirit of God and begin to, to, to pray in the language of the spirit, unknown tongues and build ourselves up on that faith that we built while hearing the word of God. Amen. There are always practical, um, things to be worked out in the things that are spiritual. Amen. Spiritual things are not carnal, but spiritual things are practical. Let me say that again. Spiritual things are not carnal. They're not controlled by the flesh or controlled by our feelings or controlled by what we see or what we hear. Spiritual things are not carnal, but spiritual things are practical. You can take spiritual things and put them into practice in your life. Hence, hearing the word of God preached, taught by others, speaking the word of God, making declarations by the word of God, reading the word of God out loud to yourself, praying the word of God over your life, over your marriage, over your children, over your business, over your ministry, whatever it is. There are practical things to hearing because as you're speaking and you're hearing, amen. And then that faith is increasing. And then the other practical thing that you do is then pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in unknown tongues so that you can edify yourself improve yourself and build yourself up on that faith that is just increased by hearing the word of God. See, spiritual things are not carnal, but spiritual things are very, very practical. And I think this is where many Christians miss it and why they don't live a fun, enjoyable life in the Lord. Everything is such a task for them. The commands of God even become a burden, you know, just to share Jesus for some Christians. If you talk to them, you would think the mere commandment of Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel, share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone else was just going to destroy their lives. It's like that commandment from Jesus becomes a burden to them. No, um, John the Apostle says the commandments of God are not a burden. They're not a burden with somebody that's full of faith and and full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Because we continually increase our faith and we build ourselves up on that faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And so we have to understand how faith works. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, which is what God instructs Timothy through Paul in first Timothy chapter six, 12, fight the good fight of faith. The only fight you're called to, 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 to fight. And the only fight you're actually going to win. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, being able to resist the devil and come out still standing firm in faith at the end of that battle, then you better know how to fight nobody can enter into a fight without preparation for that fight, right? Like, you know, if you ever like to watch mixed martial arts, UFC or anything like that, they'll, they'll spend six months for a fight. Some of them will come out and get knocked out in 30 seconds. They just spent six months or longer preparing for that fight, and it's over in no time flat. You better know how to fight. Because there's a right way to prepare and a right way to be able to win every single time. You have to know how to fight the good fight of faith. And again, spiritually fighting, spiritual warfare is not carnal, but it is practical. It's not just all this, you know, binding the devil of this and the spirit of that and all. People waste time, waste time, waste time and get nowhere because they don't know how to fight. So, number one, I'm going to give you five practical things here to go along with what I've already said, right? (laughs) I'm going to give you five practical things here. Number one, you have to be submitted to God. And some Christians lose here. And you're saying, well, if they're not submitted to God, how they can be a Christian? Oh, I know some Christians (laughs) that I do believe. (laughs) They believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But boy, they just doing what they want to do, how they want to do it. And, you know, just because sin doesn't have an immediate consequence. And that's what trips up many people that are believers Because the sin they step into doesn't have an immediate consequence because God is um, patient. He's steadfast. And he calls and he bids and he sends preachers and teachers of the word of God to help you see the way that you're living is wrong. To help pull you out of that so that you would get yourself lined up with God. But many believers aren't going to win because they aren't even submitted. They living in sin, blatant sin that is very evidenced and clearly stated in the word of God. Number one, you have to be submitted to God. And then not just in, in, in that, but you actually have to be submitted. You got to be willing to do what he says, go where he tells you to go, say what he tells you to say, be who he's called you to be. You have to submit yourself to God. It seems fairly practical, but you'd be amazed at how many people think that once they're born again, they can just do whatever they want to do because now they're covered by grace. That is actually, you're not covered by grace. (laughs) Grace is a divine influence or a divine power on your heart with a reflection in the life. It's a divine force that literally changes your heart and puts in you a new heart or a new spirit and it is evidenced in your life. And people don't understand that. They think grace is a license to sin and live however they want to sin or however they want to. And that's not it. You have to be submitted to God. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, that's what it's, it says here in the Ephesians chapter 6. It says um, in verse 13, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So you'll be able to resist him. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Well, first, you can't resist him if you're not submitted to God. But if you are submitted to God, then you actually do have to resist him. And you can't resist him without every piece of God's armor in place. Amen? This is important. And one of the biggest pieces, I think, in the armor of God that people miss are the shoes of peace. You know, when you put on your shoes, this is something years ago. The Lord taught me and as I've done like one-on-one discipleship with people that I see the call of God on their life in many areas, but in particular in ministry, I give them practical things that I've learned myself that help me oftentimes, particularly if I'm in, I may not have to do it all the time anymore because I've been in the Lord for a long time and I've, I've overcome some things, but if I'm in a funk or I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and things aren't going, there are things that I do. Like I get up in the morning and whether or not I am planning on leaving my house or whatever that day, I'll put my makeup on, get fully dressed and put my shoes on. Why? (laughs) Because I'm prepared. If you put your shoes on, to me, that says you're ready. You're ready to walk out. You're ready to go and get moving. And the shoes of peace, it's the preparation of the gospel. Amen. It means you're ready to go. And that is one piece that many Christians do not have on. Like I said earlier, you when you tell people they need to be winning souls, they need to be telling people about Jesus, you, you would act like you just told them they got to go be crucified on the cross because they don't want to do that because it's uncomfortable. People might get upset with them or yell at them or call them a name. Who cares? You're talking about eternity here. They may not like it, but at least you're going to speak to them words of life. Words of blessing that come straight from the good news of Jesus Christ. And so many times Christians can't stand firm in faith because they won't even do the basics of Christianity, which is share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. They don't have their shoes on. They're not prepared to fight. Because it says in order to be able to resist, you have to have on every piece, each piece. It says in the New Living Put on all of God's armor, all of it, each piece. Excuse me. Sorry about that. That was probably loud. You have to put on each piece. You have to have it all on. And so many Christians can't win because they never share Jesus with anybody. Never. And that's why their faith is so weak. You have to have on each piece of the armor. And when you do, that means you're, you're submitted to God and then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. So number one, you have to be submitted to God. And that looks like having on all of God's armor, right? All of it, every piece, living the holy life you're called to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God that's working inside of you. Number two, you better know who your enemy is. You better know who your enemy is. Right? It's, it says, right? It's not flesh and blood. It's the devil. It's the devil. He's your enemy, not flesh and blood. 1 Peter 5 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You can't be ignorant of who your enemy is. Because if you are, then you go tearing, rip roaring at people because they treat you wrong. They say something about you. They did you bad. They did, you know, whatever it it is. And they are not your enemy. Watch out. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour You know, the reason the devil hates you so much is because you are what he could never be. We, mankind, human beings, were created in the image of God. Created in the image of God. And he wasn't. He wasn't. And then he exalted himself in pride and then was cast from heaven. In an exalted, he was already in an exalted place, but he was cast from heaven because of the pride. Said, so the Bible tells us that you were it ta- uh, talking about the, the devil when he was still Lucifer. You were perfect until iniquity was found in you and he hates you and I. Because we've been made in the image of God. And so you've got to understand who your enemy is. It's a devil. It may look like a person. And the devil may come in the form of a person in the sense that he's using somebody. But fighting that person is not going to win the battle. You have to fight the good fight of faith. And you got to know how to fight. So one, you got to be submitted to God. Two, you have to know who your enemy is. Three... Not only do you have to know who your enemy is, but you better not be ignorant of his devices, his schemes, his wiles, and his designs, and his intentions. You cannot be ignorant of his devices, his schemes, his wiles, his designs, his intentions. Why did I use all those words? Because depending on which translation of the Bible you read, they use all those words. Devices, schemes, wiles, designs, intentions. And they all work. They're all exactly that. Exactly that second Corinthians chapter two and verse 11 to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. In that Ephesians 6 passage, it says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. All strategies of the devil. You know, he doesn't have any new strategies. He's been using the same ones, the same ones since the beginning. He's always using the same ones. And for us, as believers... They basically come in the form of distractions, discouragement, or deception. Distractions, discouragement, or deceptions. That's what he does. And really they all go together. Because it all stems from the fact that he's a liar. Jesus said he's always been a liar. And he's the father of all lies and the father of all who practice lying. They all stem from that. Distractions, discouragement, and deception. You better not be ignorant of his devices, his schemes, his strategies, his wiles, his designs, his intentions. The word tells us to keep Satan from getting advantage over us. We're not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. Some believers act pretty ignorant. They fall to the same thing every single time. And look, I put myself in this category because there have been more than one time I have fallen to his same scheme in my life. Every time, revert back to the very same pattern that, that caused me to trip up and keep me from moving forward. I'm just saying. And that's exactly what he does. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And how he does that is through distraction, discouragement, or deception. <laughs> really. Really. Ultimately, it does. This is why we fight the good fight of faith. Because his goal, the devil's target in your life is your faith. Because without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, you can't win. Without faith, you can't live. And without faith, you can't fight. So you understand, the devil's target in your life is your faith because if he can keep you distracted he can keep you discouraged or he can deceive you with his lies then he's won steal kill and destroy steal kill and destroy his target is your faith so if you're going to f- no, know if you're going to fight and fight well you, one, have to be submitted to God. Two, you have to know who your enemy is. And three, you can't be ignorant of his strategies, his devices, his schemes, his wiles, his designs, and his intentions. And he doesn't come up with new ones. And the thing that I've found in my own life as well in other people's lives, he actually uses the same one, two, or three, depending on the person, schemes, devices, or wiles in your life over and over again because that's the ones he always trips you up on. And so if we'll recognize that and just refuse to allow him to do it again, then what's he going to do? He's going to have to back up, come at another, from a different angle at a different time. You see what I'm saying? Number four, you better know how faith works. Again, if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, and it's a good fight because it's the fight you can win. Faith, you win. The devil has no recourse for a person who stands in faith. He has no recourse for a person who stands in faith. Because the only, the thing, the way that he's going to win is he's going to wear you out and cause you to quit. And a person who refuses to quit and stands in faith, there's nothing he can do about it. Even if he's knocked you down with a punch or two, You get back up. You get back up. That's what faith does. We get back up. You get back up. Amen. You better know how faith works. Faith. We believe, we speak, and we receive in that order. We believe, we speak, and we receive. We believe, we speak, and we receive. Let's look at the story of David and Goliath here real quick in 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 41. 41 through 51. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David, that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Now listen to this. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, And I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over And pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Now, I want you to notice in this story that David actually killed Goliath first with his words before he ever used the stone and then cut off his head. David first killed Goliath with his words. David replied, Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Faith has always worked the same way you believe, and what you believe, you speak, and what you believe and speak, you will receive. That's how we're saved. We believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we shall be saved. That's how we receive our salvation and everything that pertains to salvation. Every victory, uh, every promise, everything that we have in God comes through faith and faith always works the same way. We believe, then we speak, and then we receive. David even killed Goliath first with his words. Then he slung the stone, hit him in the forehead and Goliath didn't even fall backwards. He fell forwards the opposite direction. So that stone, it wasn't the fact of the stone. It wasn't the stone that brought Goliath down. It was David's faith that brought Goliath down. It was David's faith in knowing that the God that he knew that helped him to kill the lion and kill the bear would be the same God that would help him to kill the giant. It was his faith in the God whom he knew very personally. The God whom he had worshipped out on those plains and in the valleys with those sheep. He'd pull out his lyre and strum a tune and sing and talk to them. That God whom he knew very personally. It was David's faith. And faith works the same way. Always we believe, then we speak, then we receive. Second Corinthians 4.13, talking about David. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, and David was the one that wrote it. I have believed, and therefore have I spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak. And faith isn't moved by what we see, by what we hear, or by how we feel. Nope. That's, faith isn't moved by what we see, by what we hear, or how we feel. Faith is moved by the word of God. Because faith is increased, comes by the word of God. Hallelujah. See, so you have to know how faith works. You believe it, you speak it, because you speak what you believe, and then you'll receive it. And number five. So number one is you have to be submitted to God. Number two, you better know who your enemy is. Number three, you better not be ignorant of his devices, schemes, strategies, wiles, device, uh, designs, and his intentions. Number four, you better know how faith works. And number five, you better surround yourself with people of faith. And I'm not talking about Christians. Because there's a lot of Christians that have very, very little faith. You have to surround yourself with people of faith. You know, like the four friends of the paralyzed man from the story in Mark chapter 2. That they tried to get him to Jesus, but the house was packed. The door was jammed. Who knows how many rows deep of people packed in there trying to hear what Jesus was teaching and preaching. That they said, okay, the only only plan that we have here is we're going to have to walk up on top of this house which, you know, there would have been access to, get up a, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, four, four of them. We're going to have to dig through this, remove these tiles or dirt or whatever, thatch, whatever it was, remove all this. I mean, it, you know, they had to remove enough out of that roof in order to get the man and his mat down. <laughs> so it was, it was going to be a pretty long and wide space they had to remove off of that roof. It wasn't like just a little hole. They were not going to tip the guy on his head and his mat. He would have slid right off, right? (laughs) No, they had to remove a decent amount from that roof. And they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. And it says in verse five of Mark two, seeing their faith, Jesus said, see their faith was active. Faith is always active. Again, Spiritual things are not carnal, but they are practical. Spiritual things are not carnal, but they are practical. Seeing their faith. You know, with the sheep and wolves, you understand with a flock of sheep, one of the ways that the, the really, as long as the flock stays together, the wolf has very, unlikely chance to be able to capture one of those sheep and eat it. And so when you have a, a flock of them and they're pretty close together, about the only thing the wolf can attempt to do is he'll run and try to jump on the back of one of those sheep, start bouncing up and down, you know, kind of scratching them up, trying to get the other sheep to scatter. Because if he can get the sheep to scatter and get one off on his own, then he can kill that sheep and destroy that sheep's life. But as long as the sheep stick together, the wolf has no, really no course of action. See, you have to surround yourself with people of faith. People who know how to fight the good fight of faith. People who aren't wasting their time fighting a battle they can't win. Aren't wasting their time fighting a devil. But fighting a good fight of faith, understand who their enemy is and what his devices, schemes, and strategies are. Right? A Rome, the Roman garrison's formation and attack plan. When you read that passage in Ephesians chapter 6 and you understand when it says, and take up your shield of faith. So, so what they would do is they would come in as as a whole garrison and they had a plan. And so the ones in the front would lift up their shield. You would have ones in the front that would lift their shield in the front. So any arrows that came from the... at at the front of them would not hit them. Now they all moved as one garrison of of soldiers, um, as one body, okay? And so the whole front line would put their shields in front so any arrow that came from the front couldn't get them. Then the ones in the middle would lift their shields up over their head so any arrows they would try to shoot up over the garrison could also would also not be able to hit them because they would just bounce off of the shields that were lifted up over their head. You you, you understand. So get that visual and understand how faith works. How faith works. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows or darts of the evil one. See, that's how they fought then. And so they knew that no matter what the enemy shot at them couldn't reach them because they worked together as one body. This is why you must surround yourself with people of real faith. Because whether they're in the front or in the middle or in the back, they've got their shield of faith positioned just right that no enemy is, or no enemy arrow is going to touch them or you. You have to find those people. And again, like I said, just because they're a Christian doesn't mean those are the people, <laughs> right? You got to find people faith. And let me tell you this, it also doesn't, it's not determined by how long they've been a Christian. Many times, young people in the Lord, I mean, people that have come to the Lord in early, in early stages of, of knowing Jesus, their personal Lord and Savior, have more faith than those that have been in it a long time. So don't base it on that. So one, you have, you have to be submitted to God. Two, you better know who your enemy is. Three. You better not be ignorant of his devices, his schemes, his wiles, his designs, his intentions, his strategies. Four, you better know how faith works. And five, you better surround yourself with people of faith. Christianity isn't a passive pursuit. It's warfare. And as Christians, we should not live in defensive mode. Always taken by surprise with circumstances. Always embroiled in drama. Always struggling to come up for error before you suffocate. You have to stay alert. And when the enemy stands in defiance of who you are in Christ, in opposition of what the Lord has told you to do, or in the way of what belongs to you, paid for by the blood of Jesus, then you better start running at him with a stone, prepared to cut off his head. Hallelujah. 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 The shield of faith extinguishes all the flaming darts of the devil. You win. You win. You are a winner. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where life's taken you. I don't care what's happened to you. There's nothing that's happened to you that the blood of Jesus can't take care of. There's nothing that you've done that the blood of Jesus can't take care of. And there's nothing. That's happening right now. If you are a born again child of God, there's no circumstance or no situation that is greater, stronger, or more powerful than Jesus. And if you'll take these practical spiritual steps, put these in place, I'm telling you, you're going to win every single time. You're destined to win. It is your birthright to be. A winner in Christ. Amen. The shield of faith extinguishes all the flaming darts of the devil. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me pray with you. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that your spiritual truths and spiritual things are so practical. So practical. They can be practiced in our life with great success. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for dealing to every one of us as believers the measure of faith and putting it in our hands to increase that faith through your word, hearing your word, and building ourselves up on that faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to teach me. And I believe you'll do that for everyone that's listening and and learning. Teach in us how to continue to fight the good fight of faith. So when it's all over, we are still standing. Hallelujah. We are still standing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you always lead us in triumph. Thank you that in all things and amid all circumstances, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through Jesus Christ who loves us. And Father, I ask for every person that's listening and will listen, I pray, Lord, that you would give them a Holy Ghost radar for one or two or three solid faith-filled, Holy Ghost-filled Christians that they can surround themselves with. Faith-filled, Holy Ghost-filled friends that will help them stand firm in faith and accomplish everything that you called them to do. Hallelujah. Give them a Holy Ghost radar for those friends. Lord, that they can surround themselves with people of true faith, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. I give you glory. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord. You teach us and instruct us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, by being our supernatural teacher and unfolding even this word today, even more to us as we ponder. Hallelujah. Your word. I give you glory. Thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Well, that's it. Remember, I drop new podcast episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Meet me back here.